This is the meeting after the meeting. None of our participants get paid, and we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. Enjoy the show. Sounds like it could be like a Apple com- commercial, you know. Everybody's like dancing it does. around. See, like somebody skateboarding, somebody like. Yeah. I I again, got me in a good I said, mood. Gabe, I, I said, like it. Gabe surprised me. He said, "How have I not surprised you every week so far?" I said, "You have." <laughs> this is. He different. did, he yeah, did like earlier, it. he did have some polka playing, and I was like, if you do that, Chris is going to lose his money. I'm going to lose <laughs> it. Like really bad. But polka is an interesting thing. It's got the same tempo as drum and bass, actually. Oh, really? So, I didn't know that. So very drum and, odd. So drum and bass technically was was created really. out of polka. It's just the same. It's just, it's just a coincidence ah. that it's the same tempo. Okay. All I right. don't think there's no... So basically, on you are making tree. polka music, Chris, when you make your music. <laughs> <laughs> it also has the same tempo as like 1930s, like swing jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. I don't know. These are tidbits of information no one cares about. We should probably move on. How, uh, <laughs> how, uh, how's it going? Week's been good. It's, yeah. uh, you know, the family's been sick here, sick there. I mean, it's just like a merry-go-round of fucking sickness you know life. I mean? it's life well it's life with kids life with kids yeah life with kids so just, right. you know they get sick you're it's like you know you're just as 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 my buddy mike likes to say you're just dodging raindrops mm. you know what i mean eventually you're gonna get hit it's a good one yeah well in that case let's get into it this is the meeting after the meeting meeting i'm john i'm chris welcome to the show this is episode 13 we are here, uh, happy to be here, recording live on Zoom. The Meeting After the Meeting is a podcast that is uh, uploaded to uh, podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music and others. If you are joining us tonight live on the Zoom, we are super happy you're here like we are every week. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And stay tuned because later in the show tonight, we've got a special sketch of the week, which will include audience participation yeah. so you'll be able to stick ask around our guest a question on tonight's sketch called no one likes asking for help questions for our guest so get ready to ask some good questions because we've got a great a great guest tonight um why don't we introduce our producer gabe hello hey everyone <laughs> welcome are you feeling better this week <clears throat> yeah but i mean i sound pretty good my voice sounds a little hoarse so how was your week? How's your week been? Good. Um, yeah. yeah, I got a promotion at work today, which is very Whoa, nice. Whoa, you, yeah. dude. Hit the clap track. Yeah, man. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop. wow. Look at that, stop. Gabe. Is that a, pr- is that a, now, he, now here's the I question. Didn't, I didn't know people loved that, you know. Is that a promotion? Is that a promotion in title or also compensation? Money? Compensation. Actually, it's mostly compensation, not well, that's much good. title. That's, wow. Okay. That's, that's the Those best, are the best kind of promotion. <laughs> the best kind of promotion. <laughs> not much more responsibility, but no, more, there's money. More, more money. There's more responsibility. It's just very, <laughs> it's a fluid company. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Congratulations. That's good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Awesome. Thank we're, you. We're happy that you are now not too big to make it to the show. Every oh, right. Never. Produce. Never, dude. Good. You texted us today and said, I'm super excited about the show tonight because yeah. of, of our guests and of, of everything we well, have Well, I didn't going say on, why. So. I didn't say why. I mean. You didn't. But, it's part of it. But yeah. why would you be that excited about this show if it wasn't for our guests? Yeah, I was actually just excited for the show because I love the show. Which, speaking of... I don't do it for the money. We, well, definitely we know not. that. We know that. <laughs> you do it for, we know you do it partially for the free burrito, yeah. but that alone it's is still not, not enough. enough. Yeah. Service. It is. It's it is service. service. And with that being said, quick a little quick tidbit about our guest... So when we when Chris and I initially full transparency here. full transparency started 
this process, we had one episode, we almost want to call it like the forgotten episode. Yeah. Where it was so bad. Sound Not wasn't because of know, our guests. No, no. Sound yeah. wasn't good. There was no real video. I think we the video doing. was on an on my iPhone. <laughs> um and it just we one, didn't know we were one doing. camera. And we didn't post that episode. And he our guest tonight was sour. Somewhat of a guinea pig. I don't think he was sour. He would uh, <coughs> Full transparency. Let's be. He would never admit it. He was a little. Well, okay. Well, we, haven't, we haven't introduced him yet, but we'll give him a chance to say his piece. But this is what we'll say. He came on and he was willing to help us out when yep. we had nobody else, and we're really grateful. It was a beta. And tonight he's back and he's going to give it to us the Love real it. deal. Let's welcome Mike L from Oakton, Virginia. Mm. Guys. Oh, am I on? You are. Thank you, guys. Glad Thank to be here. We're, we're glad you're here, Mike. So what was that? You were our first guest. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit different. And there was here. a reason we asked him, because Mike is a solid AA member. <laughs> Stop. And no, no, seriously, one of, one of my favorite people in AA. And, yeah. uh, and he's got a great story, a great which story. We'll, you'll, if you haven't heard his story, yeah. which I'm sure there are people who haven't, you're going to be, um, I don't even know what the word is. You'll just be... Excited? excited? We're not going to go into the same detail as the first. We won't have time. No. no. Yeah. But we, we know we're gonna what we're going to get. About this time. Yeah. The, the old one will be released as a special feature. No, it will <laughs> no. never see the light of day. It will never be released. <laughs> no, it won't be. It was good, though. It, it we got good, into some yeah. stuff that it nobody had long, ever heard. Though. It was long. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember admitting some things that I had never actually shared a name. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you want access to that... Maybe email us or let us know. Maybe we'll give out some, Isaac yeah, some special. Yeah. Um, okay. With that being said, let's get into it here. We've uh, we, we always like to start out with with something we call the stats, and that's just your basic info, Mike. So why don't you do that? Two hundred fifty pounds. <laughs> no, I'm just five. It's an honest five, program. Ten, Come on. Ten, All yeah. right. Two sixty. No, my sobriety dates. Um, July 25th, 2005. Not mm. my first one. But Class 05. 05. I do have a sponsor, and uh, I do have a home group. Mm. Well, that's good. We're, we're super glad you're here. How has your week been, Mike? I mean, pretty easy. You know, um, the girl's out of town, so I've been staying at her house watching her cat. Okay. So I've been enjoying the luxury of a very nice house all to myself. That's drinking um, cappuccinos, drinking eating her food. Of, yeah, I know. She definitely hooked it up before <laughs> I left. You know, I've been, been, been gladly taken care of. <laughs> she leave you a 20 on the counter for some pizza, too? <laughs> no, she bought a bunch of frozen pizzas that I've been crushing. There you go. You're, you're it's funny. Dude, I love cooking, but made. I do not cook for myself. I've eaten frozen right. food every night this week. And I cook for her. I cook for other people. And I make some bomb meals. I refuse to cook for myself. I don't know why. I is. feel like frozen pizzas, though, is like a thing that, I mean, it's... If you cook it right, it's it can be really good. Three minutes in the microwave, yeah. you can't get it wrong. What? What? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> wrong. You can microwave. That's how I make mine. I mean, maybe if it's like a Mama Celeste or Totino's, yeah, which it's is a like little tiny personal pan Walmart. I mean, that was special. like drinking pizza. That was like, dude, hey, Totino's was my drunk go-to man. I mean, I mm. love Totino's. It was like a dollar, like ninety-nine cents for a pie. I don't think I ever lived anywhere that had a microwave. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I don't think I did. <laughs> That's I'm, really I'm like literally thinking it's not back. Surprising, actually. And I there's a little bit of in getting into what Mike's story <laughs> is going to be like. He never lived anywhere with a microwave. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty. And at that's the rough. end, we didn't even have running water. No, we yeah. had running water. We didn't have drainage. That's we didn't have quality, good drainage. But we had a 7 yeah. Eleven. I ate a lot of big bites. Yeah. <laughs> What did you, if you were at 7 Eleven, did you get the, the nachos, but then no. put way too much meat on them? I would get the hot dog and put meat and cheese on it. That oh, was like my go, go to. For it. That's I, what I, I would do that for. too. Yeah. I had yeah. two of the big bites and with the buns Just and nacho cheese and all that Harmel chili. To the mm. point where you, you got to use a fork first to get through some of it and then you can eat the hot dog. I don't think I ever thought to use a fork. No, I just ate it. I think that's where heart, heartburn it. started for me with 7-Eleven <laughs> chili. Yeah. Oh, 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 so good. So, so good, good going in. <laughs> Not that great coming out. I don't even remember the part coming out, though. Look, so let's uh, 
let's get into it here. Why don't we get into the to the three W's, Mike? Don't you tell us a little bit about what you were like? All right, what I was like. I mean, God, I mean, as a kid, I was not like everybody else. I mean, I was definitely a scared kid, but like my. Uh, my childhood was a little off, but like for the most part, like I just mostly kept to myself. I got a lot of good grades, you know. I was a smart kid, and but I was shy, man. I was full <laughs> of fear. I didn't know how to make friends, and um, and I remember that you know when I took my first drink, you know, I all that changed. You know, I was uh, I remember I was working as a bag boy at Ancona's Market, and I was going to school with some of the kids there, but I didn't really know who they were. But I think they recognized me. You know, what I mean, one day in Kona's Market was just a little grocery a spot, little grocery store in okay. Georgetown, Connecticut. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and uh, and yeah, the equivalent just, of like what, like a Safeway or like a probably smaller? like probably like an OG. Um, uh, what's the Amazon store now? Oh, like Amazon Fresh, Hello Fr- or Amazon Fresh, yeah, but much smaller. Okay. Like it was like it's, right. like it was like one of the first like organic markets, but it was oh. small. It couldn't have been any bigger than like two Seven Elevens put together. Gotcha. Okay, you know what right. I mean, but like it was all organic food, all person. Like it was just yeah. small town, small homemade, like good shit. Okay, am I allowed to curse on this? I'll try. Yes, to. Chris, I do. All Chris, says, oh yeah. Chris, okay. Chris says the F word all the time. So yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go that far. I love alcohol. Well, I mean they. I say it's explicit <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, yeah. no, we do say it's explicit. Yeah, I so. mean, yeah, 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 no, I, I can't right. not. I mean, just I'm surprised my kids aren't cussing. <laughs> mm. I am too. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Can they talk yet? One of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jack talks. Jack, a lot. Yeah, they, Jack, talking Jack a lot. Loves I don't know what age they start talking when they have kids. Yeah. Not All right. Yet. So Ancona's Market, <laughs> Bag Boy. <laughs> Bag boy, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Keep to myself. I get good grades in school, believe it or not. I wasn't that dumb. Um, but uh, they just asked me if I wanted to stay late one day and, and drink with them. And man, I'll tell you, it was it was a moment. It was like one of those moments where it's like I have all the childhood like teachings of being a Jehovah's Witness and like drugs are bad and you don't drink, even though like it, it just I I didn't even know like what drinking meant. I didn't know what getting drunk meant or doing drugs like. I didn't know any of it. Like I had no nothing to fall back on except they were showing me some attention and they were being friendly. And so I think I was just attracted to that. Yeah. I was attracted to the idea of making some friends. And so I went with them after hours. Like we got we closed up the shop, we went around back and uh and I remember them just all sitting around there just like just like chilling, like having fun and laughing. I remember feeling so jealous about how easy it was for them to just talk with each other and like interact and like, and like it just felt like they had something. Mm-hmm. It felt like they had something I'd always wanted and always felt like I was missing. And I didn't even know what it was. Like I couldn't put my finger on it. I just knew that I did not feel how they looked. Yeah. You know? And then I remember this big, big bottle. I'm pretty sure it was pop off vodka. Whatever had that red label and that screw top and the big like gallon like plastic yeah, yeah. jug, half gallon, yeah, the yeah big dude, half whatever gallon. way it was big and it was oh, clear and it was red and it started going around. And I just remember them taking big sips and I remember being a little scared. I remember being like, I don't know what this is, you know, like what's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. what are people doing? Like again, no reference whatsoever. Nobody ever taught me anything yeah. about drinking or anything like that. And then I got to me and I took a big pull and I remember it burning and thinking I was drinking something like that was yeah, so bad. Burned, dude, man. Mm. It burned. The best way possible. Oh, dude, I'll tell you, after about three or four pulls, because I was just gonna I was gonna do it, I was gonna impress these guys. I was gonna mm. do whatever they were doing. Yep. I just remember that magic happening. I remember whatever was missing, it wasn't anymore. It was just there. I remember feeling just like they looked i remember sitting there looking you in the eye and not being afraid of anything and just carrying a conversation and just being cool and just being comfortable and it was like it was like when they talk about how your skin fit that is the first reference i ever have in my life of just feeling like i'm okay who and what i am in that moment with what's going on it was awesome i love when people i love when people say i was born a court low that (laughs) makes sense I, that makes sense for a while, I didn't understand, but then I was like, yeah, that's it. Because I would drink, and then I felt normal, just felt like normal. everyone else. Just like know? that's all it was. You just felt like everybody else. Yeah. It was awesome. And you were right. They did have something. Mm-hmm. They had vodka. <laughs> well, I mean, they had... They, you just didn't know you wanted it yet. Well, <laughs> I know they also didn't have a spiritual dilemma, probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were... Maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they were. Maybe they just didn't live in a van for the last year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Drinking uh, pop-off vodka in the back of a restaurant or store is not 
an indicator of alcoholism, but it's nah, a, we it's good. a good start. It's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> so so that sure. you know, that's where it started. Yep. A lot of fun. What kind of and and we know your story. Where did alcohol lead you to when it went down that I mean, road? Where did you find yourself uh, at your height, at the height of your alcoholism? So good or bad? Because there's like two very different stories. I mean, there was like a there was a peak of where everything was just on fire and awesome, and then I came out of a blackout, but naked in a stolen car. Let's hear. <laughs> let's go. Arrest. Let's go. Let's go. Stolen car to farmhouse. All right, so like about two years later, and I mean, it was two great years of just partying and living the dream, and and I can go into a lot of detail and tell a lot of crazy stories about those times, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but I can tell you that eventually I just stole a car naked, got my first real arrest, because I had been arrested for a few other little things, like nothing serious. Were you naked before you stole the car, or you, I were, you was or were you in a blackout? fully clothed. <laughs> I was fully remember. clothed. So I do remember bits and pieces. Like, it's very shady. Like, it's very, very shady. But, like, there was a, a half ounce of mushrooms that I had taken. Well, I'd do it. And uh, that did <laughs> That'll it. That'll do it. That did it. And then there was yeah. some drinking. Yeah, that will, and like, then put there you in the hospital like, on yeah, its own. Right? There was just, like, a disconnect. Some, just, like, a straight disconnect from reality. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I came to in a neighborhood where there was a woman gardening. And I walked up to her house butt naked. And I knocked on her door. And I just tried to see if she would talk to me. That's all I remember. That was the next thing I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then after that, it's, it's like terrifying prospect. Pre nine eleven here. Jesus. No one's calling the police. Well, no, they did. I mean, it's actually I could. It's a wild story, but we won't we won't go into a lot oh, yeah. of detail about it. But like ultimately arrested. Um, then I'm like looking at three felony charges from breaking into a house, stealing a car. Then I'm like looking at like actual consequences, and I'm like not good at life on life's terms. I'm not good at showing up for life. So like. I just leave the state. You know what I mean, I end up down in Virginia to live with an uncle. So I'm down in the Harrisonburg area. There's a college down there, JMU. I'm about that age. I'm about 18, about to turn 19. So like I like put on my one good outfit and I go start partying with them on the weekends every Thursday to Sunday night. I'm just pretending like I'm a JMU kid and I'm just drinking and I'm having fun and I'm smoking crack for the first time and I'm losing. I'm just like it's just life. Living is, the dream. Living the dream. Living in my car at one point, you know what I mean? Because like I didn't care. It didn't matter, you know, like I, Monday through Thursday, I had to live this pathetic pain in the butt life where I would get whatever job I could get, where I could do whatever I could do, but then I got to live the dream of being something that I never actually was. You know, it was like this delusion I got to live in that, you know, it was like the glory days. Because I can tell you, those first two years, they were awesome. But all I ever wanted to do was recap that and get back there somehow. Mm -hmm. And I just never could, you know, and I never could. And then... I finally got to a place where, like, I met. I went to this party. It was like one of those peak nights. Remember those peak nights where it was just like you could do no wrong, and, like everything good's happening. I accidentally showed up to like the f girls' field hockey and the guys' lacrosse team, and like they're partying with white shirts, and I'm getting phone numbers written all over me, and I'm controlling the K, and it's just an awesome night. And like I meet somebody that's a distributor, and I'm gonna be his guy, and like, and it clicks, and I'm like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for, and then. That night in a blackout, I totaled my car somewhere on the way back home to West Virginia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was just like I came to the next day, my it car was totaled in a ditch. Peak. Yeah, quick. It was a yeah. quick night, like <laughs> quick peak. Like, I had been working my way peak there. for a few hours. And then, and then it was done. Yeah. Next morning, all gone. And so what basically now, I don't have a home. You know, I have no transportation to get to and from this other trailer that I'm staying at. And then the my coworker, who is now, I did get a job uh, as an electrical apprentice. And so I was meeting this guy. Uh, which I would usually sleep in the 7-Eleven parking lot and meet him, and then I would crawl into his van, and then like he would drive me to Leesburg, and I'd be an electrical apprentice, and I was such a bad employee. But basically, like I couldn't meet him anymore because I didn't have a car. It just totaled it. So I had to move in with this guy. So he was he offered a, you to move in. He with offered you. to move me in for 50 bucks a week. I was going to pay this guy rent. 50 bucks a week. So 50 bucks so a week. I like that. Uh, let me ask you a question. The $50 a week, you, it didn't raise any alarms? Like, you weren't thinking. Well, did what? This was twenty four years ago. Chris. What could I get? And but in two hundred bucks a month, I was paying rent twenty four years ago. It I was just going to rent a room. A week. I was going to rent the room in this guy's house. But fifty dollars a month. Wait till you hear about the the house. He had a Chris. family. You understand? Yeah. Why? No, I don't know. Like, he's a co He's helping me out. He's going to he's going to rent me a room. You know? No, I'm just asking, man. I mean, it's something I always wondered. You're here now. I'm asking it. No, I never really thought it. I thought. I thought. If anything, I thought that's no warning steep. signs went up. 
No. Well, it, How much one, were you making a week? Why don't we talk three, about the reality? I was reality. probably making 300 bucks okay, a week. Okay, so one-sixth one sixth of your pay is going to yeah. rent. That's not bad, percentage-wise, okay. yeah, in America. I mean, it's pretty smart. Yeah. It's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. The Gable, personal yeah. finances <laughs> are really good there. Yeah. And this was a good it was the boy. only good it's personal good finance. Good drinking money right yeah. there. It's yeah. good well, drinking money. Yeah, that was the rest of the money. That was the other $250. I went raw. I right. went so all into drinking. So you're in the farm. You're you're living. You, you move in. I move into this farmhouse, and it is, I mean, it is just the most disgusting thing you could possibly imagine. I mean, just I mean, think, just shocker. think, trash. I mean, when I walked in that first time, I remember just seeing the sea of trash that came up to my knees. That every square inch of floor was just covered in trash. And the first thing I remember is getting punched in the face with this pungent smell. I mean, just this what terrible it smell. Like? It smelled. Do you ever smell like that clogged drain? Like, do you ever pull that clogged drain out and just like smell it? Like, and just imagine that in your entire house. <gasps> just the entire house smelling like that. So, but if <sighs> the floor was covered with three feet of trash, how did you walk around? Well, there were there were footpaths that the family had clearly cut in the trash to get to like <laughs> your chair. Your, the TV, like, TV like in the snow when you're too lazy yeah. to shovel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just <laughs> there's just like tra- there's just like tracks. This is like <laughs> a bad hoarder situation. It's a bad hoarding situation. I'll tell you what. If you ever watch that show, True Detective, the fun season finale when they find the killer, <gasps> yeah, the house, the hoarding house yeah. that he lived in. Oh my! God. I remember watching that live and being like, Oh my god! A flashback. It was a flashback. Yeah. I was did like, I lived in a house my, like that. And did they film that in my yeah, house? It might have been. It, it reminded me. And then I remember Justin looking at me and being like, God, you're such an awful person. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. Wow. Why does that make you an awful person? I don't know. Ask Justin. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Justin is a friend of ours in the program. So Yeah, he's, he's, he's ever. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say anything. I love Justin. He's a great guy. Great. He's guy. a listener of the show. Oh, good. So. All, right. All right. So you're in this house. You are... Uh, Living with this guy you work with. Yep. What, what is that? Where does that take your drinking? Well, hold on. Did you renegotiate the fifty dollars a week after no, you saw I don't it? No, no. I had no. The, my room. First off, first off, I had my own room, dude. It was that or straight up homelessness. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean, like I which mean, I had been living in my car. I, I didn't know. have that anymore. Like so, this was at least a way to get to my. Tell room. us about your room. What'd your room look like? So my room was about the size of this room actually, except it was like a linoleum floor. It was completely empty. probably asbestos. <laughs> probably asbestos, yeah. And then the old, the old, the old, the old linoleum, linoleum. the old yes. linoleum, yeah. <laughs> and there was a twin mattress that sat in the corner, and there was a milk crate. A mattress or a box break? No, it was Be a honest. mattress. It was a okay. mattress because halfway through it, it sloped. Oh, there you go. So it just kind of like sloped down, and yeah. then it had Star Wars sheets on it. Mm. Um, they had never been washed, I could tell. Um, and there were tons of rats all over the place. Um, and I just remember, like, being in this house, dealing with, like, the, all the flies, you know, all the trash, the fact that there was, like, just feeling for the first time, like, getting this moment of clarity that I am living like a freaking animal, you know? And, like, what happened? Like, I remember that first night lying there, listening to the rats crawl around the walls, listening to the fighting downstairs, and just being like, how did I end up here? Like, I was a good Christian boy. I was a Jehovah's Witness. You know what I mean? I was baptized at 13. I was supposed to be a spiritual leader and go to Bethlehem and, and be like, you know, follow my grandfather's footsteps, which he was Robert Ripley, the CEO of the Jehovah's Witness organization. You know what I mean? Like, like that was what I was supposed to be. And here I am living with rats, fleas, and rednecks. You know what I mean? And, like, and, I, and I remember that moment of clarity. And I remember very clearly not seeing any way out. Like there was no, there was nothing to do. There was nothing I could do about it except I just felt so bad about myself that I just drank. Was well, the that's the solution you could I do. had. That's what I drank. You could do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drink. and that was when my drinking became not about partying or confidence or trying to get girls or anything like that, but it was just about being okay with the conditions of my life and the animal that I had become and the, the situation that I was in. And I think we all have those like glimpses. They're I, they're almost like flashes of like reality, and it's like. They can be heartbreaking. Like for for me, it was th- this time, and I was in this club, and you know we were doing our thing, and and this girl was ODing on the floor, probably from narcotics that I was selling at the club, and I remember just stepping over her, mm-hmm. thinking to myself, "I got to get out of here before the cops show up." And mm-hmm. I just stepped, you know, she's foaming at the mouth, she's turning blue. I just stepped over her body on mm-hmm. the way to the door, and I remember that night, I I thought to myself, I was like, "That was." fucking terrible mm. i didn't even care yeah. you know what i mean and then 
I just start drinking again. Because you can't let a thought like that linger. No. You can't let you know it linger. You got to kill it. You got to kill it you right away. It you know, put it out, drink it, stuff it down, just forget it as quickly as you can, which is horrifying. Yeah. You know what's funny is about 10 years sober, I realized that I had been to an AA meeting before that, that I had gone to an AA meeting when hmm. I was 18 years old, and I had no recollection of that. Because at the time when I went in my drinking, I wasn't ready for a solution. And my no. mind quickly stomped out that memory. And yeah. I didn't even remember that I had been there until yeah. I was about 10 years right. sober. Mm. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like shocked that when that epiphany hit me, I was like, oh my God, I'd been to a meeting of my drinking. Hmm. And I didn't even remember. I do remember thinking, yeah, that guy's story was great, but uh, alcohol's not my problem. Because hmm. I was, alcohol wasn't my problem. Yeah. Alcohol was my solution. Yeah. So you're in this, you're, you're living in this farmhouse, you're, you're drinking. Uh, I'm assuming it, it gets even worse and it gets bad. What ended up being kind of the culminating point for, for a change that started to happen in your life? Honestly, it was just being arrested again for drunk in public. I mean, those are very common. Um, this time I was actually sentenced to like, I was like going to get a misdemeanor. Um, and I was already on probation in Connecticut. And so now I'm on real probation in Virginia and this is pre-internet and all that stuff. Yeah, and like, yeah. of course, I'm not openly admitting to this probation officer that I have a probation officer in Connecticut or anything yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. So, like, they just tell me that I have to go to 10 A&A meetings. I'm like, okay. Well, they said N.A. too. And I really thought N.A. was going to be the answer because N.A. was a little bit cooler. I was going to be a little edgier. You know what I mean? I did drugs. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? No one wants to be a drunk. No, yeah. no one wants to be a drunk. I mean, that's just stupid. You know what I mean? You're, you're, there's no such thing as a drunk. Well, you know what I mean? You can't control your yeah. liquor. Like, this is because I smoked I smoked crack that one time. That's why I'm living <laughs> like this. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, not, that's just what my head told me because I had to protect that one thing that gave me a solution. You know, that one thing that gave me any sort of comfort. But... So I went to this, there's only a few AA meetings in the area, and there was one at a hotel, there was no AA meetings, but there was one at the hospital at Harrisonburg, mm. and the rednecks were not driving me to it. So I had to go and buy a $50 mountain bike from Walmart, and I had to ride it 15 miles into Harrisonburg and get to this AA meeting. Wow. And man, it was... I was in good shape back then. That's one of those like where that's <laughs> but, one of those where if like a, a, a sponsor or somebody's like I can't get to the meeting tonight, you're like I used to ride my Huffy. I have never miles used that against way, but I should. <laughs> like, I should because I did it. I did for it's the first like six the old, months. We used to dude, walk ten miles in the snow with no shoes. Nobody that's gave you a ride right there. That's well, I didn't know. I just didn't want to get in any trouble. Yeah, that was yeah. all it was. Yeah. Like I just didn't want to get. In. I didn't yeah. want to go to jail. You know what I mean? Because I had had my chance to go to jail. I even told my probation officer in Connecticut that I wanted to go to jail. And uh, and they didn't put me in jail. And I remember feeling like, God, this will be such a relief to go and just have everything taken care of for me. And then when yeah. he didn't, well, here we are now in a rat-infested farmhouse with rednecks. <laughs> you know? So I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I have to do this. I don't want to get in any real trouble. I show up. I have no idea what to expect. I mean, maybe it's just I don't want to be at the house. Maybe I don't want to be around these people. Maybe I just want to get out. You go maybe to that's the, what my motivation was. You go to the A and A class. Yeah, I go to the A and A class. Exactly. It's like, and I've been to drug class before. You know what I mean? Networking events. So, you meet people that you can hang out with, and maybe that was a part of it. it was I just thought I could meet some new people to hang out with. You know, again, try to revive the vibe. You know, and man, it was fucking. It, so, no, there you go. It was different. You know, it was just different. Like these people reminded me of the people that I went to uh, church with as a kid. Like they were all just clean cut and nice and like wearing nice clothes and they were friendly and they were smiling and they just made me uncomfortable, man. Like I just felt so awkward being in their presence. Like they were clearly judging me and they just knew what a dirty, dirty person I was. And, and I just felt awkward. I just felt off, you know. And I didn't like it at all. Um, and I listened and I sat there and, uh, and I didn't expect much. But what happened was these people just started sharing. You know what I mean? They started talking about things that I had never actually heard another human being put into words. Like I was identifying with their stories and relating to their experience. And it was that language of the heart. One alcoholic talking to another. I mean, it just shot right through every defense that I had. And I just identified. I related. And, uh, and it threw it. I mean, it just totally woke me up. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, like this is interesting. And, uh, and, then, and there was this guy there that offered to pick me up. Uh, the next day, he gave me a ride home with my bike and all and dropped it off and offered to pick me up the next day. And so I let him. Yeah. And that was it. I just let him, you know, and uh, and that was the beginning. That was my introduction to uh, Talk Hawks Anonymous. And 
I mean, that was that was back in 2000. Yeah. You know, and my yeah. sobriety date 2005. You know, like it was a it was a road to get the yeah. sobriety day. You know. So so how did you end up in this area and, and getting sober? So yeah, this was down in Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, and I went to meetings for a while there for about a year, and I was drinking pretty regularly. Um, and uh, and there was this guy there, Biker Barry, you know, and, and I mean, he is like a well-known icon out there. I mean, he's been sober for like 30-something years, just big, tall, 6'6", like scruffy mountain beard, like just a wild mountain man. Nicest guy you'll ever meet, you know what I mean? I mean, he's a little, a little controversial, but nicest guy you'll ever meet, you know, and, and he came right up to me, and he put his giant paw on my shoulder, and he goes, son, you're going to die. And then he just turned around and walked away. And I just remember just being like, Damn, he might be right. I could see that happening. You know, I could see myself dying of this thing. And it was did like, you, then what? Did you say Paul? Dude, this guy had fucking giant mountain hands. Just giant. Paul. Like, Paul. Like, Paul. like, a, like Paul. a bear Paul. Like a bear Paul, yeah. No. He, okay. just, he, just, he, he was intimidating, man. He was an intimidating guy. But then I asked, I was like, what do I do? And I meant it. In that moment, I had that moment that many, many alcoholics, unfortunately, never actually received. It was that moment of willingness that only the dying can be and only the dying can have. And, uh, and I asked them, sincerely, what do I do? And at this point, I could have very easily just taken what he said and filtered it out and been like, oh, I got a better idea or something like that, but I didn't. I didn't have any other ideas, and I just asked. You know? Which is a form of asking for help. Yeah. I think I, that was my first time genuinely asking for help. To be out of ideas is the greatest place you can be as a newcomer. Absolutely. I agree. In my opinion. Yeah. yeah. To be completely Completely. Done. You have played out every option available I to you. I needed to. And I come to. up, you know, striking out on every option and then in a place where you are out of options. So what was this Bikerberry solution for you? Well, he gave me two choices. He said he could move me to Ocean City, where sobriety was seasonal, he put it, or he could move Ocean me to the Northern Ocean City beach Virginia. town. Beach town, yeah. Okay. So he said during the summertime, there's a lot of great young people. But you, might have, you might have met Matt Moore out there. Was he living out there at the time? Oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Oh, well, geez, I could have probably helped him long before <laughs> he got sober. <laughs> or he could help me. Um, Matt Moore, another friend of ours in the AA program, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Um, or he said you could go to the Vienna, uh, Virginia area, where he said there were two girls for every <laughs> one guy. <laughs> and that was the winning statement. Caught your, <laughs> that caught your attention. That my attention. Yep. So I chose Vienna, Virginia, and uh, and I remember he. I had to stay there for fourteen days because he was going to move me into an Oxford house. This guy Steve something uh, ran an Oxford house uh, right in one twenty, right on one twenty three in the Vienna, Virginia. And he said I had to stay there for fourteen days. And I remember, I, um, Bikerberry kept me, let me stay on his couch for two weeks. And I'm telling you, it was some of the wild. It was one of the wildest experiences of my life staying with Bikerberry. I mean, this guy. I mean, he would have bikers coming in and out twenty four seven. Just reading the big book, chilling, playing poker with watching very weird, controversial, non AA approved videos <laughs> about like the current affairs and stuff like that. That's all I'll say. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was wild. Um, but I stayed sober. We went to a lot of meetings. We met a lot of people and uh, we shot some light guns in his backyard and, uh, and I stayed sober. And then on that 14th day, we piled a bunch of stuff, which was just a couple of trash bags of clothing, a box of self-help books, and my AA big book. And we drove two hours up north. He dropped me off at this Oxford house, gave me a where and when, and said, go to a meeting. You know, and that was it. And that was how I got introduced to this area. And that was in 2001. Hmm. 2002. Was it 2002? I think it was 2002. Um, it was 2002, because that's when I was getting sober. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I did. I knew nothing about this area. I yeah. knew nothing. I knew nobody. I had no contact with family, no friends, and uh, and yeah, that was the. I shortly met. Shortly after, I went to Tubes, you know, where I met all the people that we know. I met you guys, um, and uh, it started my journey. And with that, I, I, we could talk forever about what that journey has been like. But we are going to move on to our topic here. The topic for this week's episode is practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It mm -hmm. works when other activities fail. And you just described, I would say that to perfection with Barry and the way he helped you. Um, 
and we, you know, we've known Barry, I knew Barry for a long time, helped a lot of alcoholics. This is a big part of what we do. The literature literally says that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. What, uh, Chris, what's been your experience with this? I know you've done a lot of this over the years. I, it, it's probably be one of the only consistent things I've done is, mm-hmm. um, thankfully, you know, I've done a couple things. I've made a lot of mistakes in AA, I think, you know, but one of the, you know, one of the few things that I've done consistently is talk to my sponsor and have an honest dialogue with him, you know, and regularly and help other alcoholics and, and, and go to meetings. So, I mean, uh, you know, that has been sort of the, the, the ground, you know, the foundation of my sobriety. And I think the thing is, is that there's only, there's really nothing to get in AA. You know what I mean? I mean, you get sober, you take the steps, you know, one would assume your life is going to improve to some degree, and mine did. But after that, there's only opportunities to give. You know, there's, if you're not involved in that part of it, for me, AA would lose interest pretty quickly. I mean, it would become a place where there would be nothing here, you know to keep me here and having those relationships and, and helping other alcoholics and walking them through the steps that those experiences have enriched my life in a way that would be not, would not be possible had I not invested in those relationships. And it has, you know, I didn't learn how to be in a loving relationship with my wife because I went to, you know, I don't know. I mean, I read it in some book, self-help book or something like that. I, or I, I learned how to be in a loving relationship with my wife because I learned how to love another man in Alcoholics Anonymous for fun and for free. There was no expectation of anything in return, you know. And I think that that is, um, how, you know, that's just one of the lessons I've learned in, in working with other alcoholics that you cannot learn that any other way, I don't think. At least not me. You know, um, so there, you know, it's, it's for me, it's been valuable. You know, I don't, I don't know how, if you're not doing, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're not helping other alcoholics, I don't know what you're doing. Like yeah. if you've already gone yeah. through the steps and you're not helping other alcoholics, what are you doing? And yeah. And, and in the literature it talks about our, our, you know, we're trying to fit ourselves here through growing spiritually to be of maximum, maximum service. service. To other God and the people and the people around us, really, yeah, which is other alcoholics, our families and stuff like that. And so, Mike, what does it look like for you to, uh, you know, intensively work with other alcoholics? How did that? Why don't you maybe just talk quickly about what did that look like for you in the beginning and how how it's kind of changed what you, you know, what you've done? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you guys already harped on, and I mean, Chris has been somebody that I've always heard when he's one of the people that always says um at some point you have to make that transition from a giver um or from a taker to a giver and uh, and that was huge in my early sobriety i mean i had expectations of that good life that i was gonna get i had things that i wanted and i got them all and then i lost them all and i lived on chris hoover's couch (laughs) for two weeks Lose seven years sober after losing everything, and I'd always argue. Which was awesome for me. Oh, it was, but I, not. It was great, great for me for too. I well, I needed it because yeah. it was a wake up call. I forgot we all lived together. We did time. all live. All three of us we lived all in lived the house. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it was mm. a great house. Now some of us live in the same neighborhood, but we bought houses. But Mike still. <laughs> I'm still. He's still. I'm not there. I'm not moving back to my old. <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, okay. anyways, so yeah, <laughs> so anyways, so I lose everything, and I always argue with my sponsor uh, that I am not just I'm just not meant to sponsor people because I never did, you know. And I always I did a lot of service, I helped a lot of people, and that was my lot. And it was amazing that when I lost everything, I lost the girl, I lost my place, I lost my job, and I'm living on Chris Hoover's base uh, couch. I got five pigeons in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there was a part of me that was experiencing so much pain. There's a part of me that was losing, like literally falling apart at the seams that all I could do was get out of myself and try to focus on somebody else. Yeah. And when doing that, 
people start asking me for help. When you pray for it, it comes. And I just started focusing all of my time and my attention on these people. And I'll tell you, it saved my life. It legitimately changed my perception of what's going on in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, because my sanity depended on me folk getting out of myself and focusing on somebody else, you know. And, uh, and I'll tell you, one of the happiest times in my life is when I would leave work at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. We all know this area mm. is not is a little unforgiving with <laughs> traffic. And I would drive from Maryland to southeast D.C. to have a book study with the guys at the St. Elizabeth's Men's Shelter. Mm-hmm. And then I would be there until about 9 p.m. at night, and then I would go home. And then on Sunday, I would drive back there to pick these guys up for our home group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did that every single weekend for almost three years. Hands down, some of the happiest times yeah, I've ever yeah. been in my life. And I think we can say this, and why it, it seems like we're saying like it's almost surprising is that we're selfish. You know, mm-hmm. to our to our to our we are selfish and self centered. The literature says that is the root of our trouble. And what you're just describing is a very unselfish very thing selfish. to do on a Friday when you get off work, and then again on a Sunday. However, it's in doing that that we have found, or at least I know I have found, a connection with a higher power. And I've been able to have experiences watching somebody else get sober. Yep. You know, and, and on the list of things, like you said, there were things I wanted. I wanted the girl. I wanted the license back. I wanted all that stuff. Nowhere on that list would have been seeing a man from the local treatment center getting a year sober, smiling and hugging me and saying thank you or just seeing somebody's life change seeing them get their family back or visitation with their kids or something they didn't have before yeah wouldn't have been on the list and it's such a gift that we're able to experience that here i think the real freedom in alcoholics anonymous comes when you accept that this life is not our own that we are on borrowed time and that we are truly here just to become servants yeah and that everything else is a byproduct of that Everything else in life yeah. is a byproduct of that mentality. That's when something inside of me shifted and I started feeling and being a different person. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, let's move on to the next part of our show. This is fun. We're going to get into the newcomer tip of the week. Mm. Look at that newcomer. He's, he's running out of the meeting as he's, fast as he can. He heard somebody Wait. He heard somebody talk about something he didn't want to hear. <laughs> if that, isn't that Dan? Remember that guy Dan from back in the day? No, that's not, that's no, not that's him. That's not Dan. Oh, no. <laughs> but he, he, he heard, maybe he saw his sponsor there or something, yeah, and he knew he'd, it out real he'd quick. been slacking on his four-step. He yeah. didn't want to tell him. Or he found out it was a chip meeting. Yeah. <laughs> or... He just knew he was gonna have to talk to somebody. Yeah, that's probably that's usually why people are skating out quick. Oh, they don't want fierce. anyone to corner them or say hi or have a conversation. I mean, that's why I did. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is why our newcomer tip of the week is arriving one minute before the meeting starts and leaving one minute after it ends is a hard way to join the A program. And I think. This is good if you're new. Again, this is this tip we give every week. They're just simple things. I think that a lot of the time I didn't think about when I first came to AA, and this is a good one. Yeah. Getting to the meeting right when it starts, leaving right when it ends, not really going to get you in the middle of the AA program, right? Yeah. How do you build right? any relationships? How do you get to know people? How do you find people to follow? You yeah. know? How do you get plugged into service? Are you just going to show up and take yeah. I mean, were you going to process all the information you've learned and yeah. tell it to your psychiatrist or and your I, therapist? And I think a lot of new people don't really know what the AA program is. They think that no. it's that meeting and it starts at 8 and it ends at 9. Like, let me ask you this. If you were going to a yoga class or you were going to any other, you could arrive a few minutes before, yeah. it, before it met and still participate in the program, right? Absolutely. So I think what we're seeing is Alcoholics Anonymous is more than just that meeting. Yeah, I don't think it's any malice that people have this attitude, you know, initially. I mean, I think it's like they treat it just like any other thing that is an hour long that they have to show up to or, you know, therapy. I mean, trust me. Check in the box. You, 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 yeah. you go see a counselor or a therapist, you definitely ain't going there a half hour early. No. They, they definitely yeah. don't want to talk to you. You get in charge for a whole hour, even though they talk to you for 50 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
you know. That's so how it goes. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not knocking yeah. it because you know it's great. You know, what I mean, I, I do couples counseling and it's it's helped a lot. But this is different because you want to establish those relationships. And how can you know how to do something if you don't watch someone else do it that's been down that road before you? You yeah. know, how can you know? It's like anything else that you do in life. I mean, how do you know? How to do it? How did you know how to be an electrician unless you followed around another electrician? Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know. So it's, but you don't think like that when you're new. You're just like, no. But I think, and you just you said it all right there, Mike. Yeah. There's so much. You know, how are you going to get connected with people? Right. How are you going to find a sponsor? How are you going to participate in service? Which a lot of people when they're new that does you know the. I remember going to some A meetings and beginning and having no thought whatsoever that somebody set up the chairs, somebody made no, the coffee, no, no somebody thought. made cookies. I, it just no way. Somebody built a relationship with the church. I thought somebody it was, was all was government handling. program. Honestly, yeah. I really yeah. thought it was all done by a- the church. A class, yeah, a- exactly. Class. Yeah. I don't know social what workers thought. do it. That's literally what I thought. I didn't think anything. Assumed. I didn't even care. I just I you know I just it one didn't thought even cross my mind. Not even into sobriety for a while. Yeah, and, and so embarrassed to say. Yeah, but I think if you're new, what we're trying to say is try getting to the meeting a little bit earlier. Yeah. Invest. invest, invest. Maybe hang out a little bit longer afterward. Yeah. Talk to some people, and it's such a small part. You know, meetings in general are part of the program. But there's so much more. Well, when you watch people, like for me, when I was new, when I saw how you guys interacted with each other at the diner or at your house, like that threw me for a loop. You guys were treating each other so much differently than all the people that had ever been in my life. Mm. You know, and that was so important to me to actually see you guys treat each other with kindness and love and tolerance and patience. Like I had never experienced that. Like I never seen people do that. That's the real. If you, if I think about it, if I think about the experience that I've had in AA, it's rarely I think about an AA meeting like no. that one hour. Never. I think about I all think the things that, that happen between, you know, those meetings. You know, after the meeting until the, the next meeting. All the relationships that, and the things that we do and all the fun that we have and all the calls that I've made and all the phone calls that people listen to me on. You know what I mean? All those things. That's that. That is really it, man. And, and and the truth is, is that I say it all the time. We are so lucky. Yeah. We're so lucky we have this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because normal people, they they would they would die to have the kind of joy that we can have because we're alcoholic and we're helping other alcoholics and we're we, we get to gather in a place and have you know and, and break bread and 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 talk to each other and share our experiences. I mean, normal people would fall, they would crawl to the meeting. Most normal people yeah. never get to experience what selflessness actually is. They have well, no I mean, idea. That's not true. I mean, look, there's, well, there's no. a lot of things. People are involved in religion and they and they do charity work and stuff like that. All, but there are a lot of them. But but I mean, we are we we should we're grateful. Yeah. We yeah. live a unique life. I yeah, always think do. about like yeah. a couple of scenarios that when I was newer that I would always think about is the we would be in a place together in a group take either maybe at the diner or at the beach or somewhere and people would people just be notice. gravitate they would just yeah. come over cuz we're a large group we're all different ages yeah. you know races genders you've yeah. got all types of people right mm. and they would come over it's to a take, sight to and behold. we're laughing the other thing is we're laughing yeah. a Having lot a blast. and they come over and they're like what is this what Versus. are you guys or one of my favorites we do large events weekend events yeah. where we need a bunch of food and we do runs to Costco yeah. and the people in Costco are looking at us. We've got eight carts and we're <laughs> buying all this food. And they're like, what are you guys doing? You know? And, and a lot of them will be like, next stop the beer store, huh? You gotta be getting a bunch, you know, <laughs> yeah. little do they know, you know, no, we're not. But it's just, it's they always ask that, me they, when is. they come up to me, they always ask me, is this your retirement party? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, you know, hey, so whatever. Bogey. <laughs> Bogey. That's such an outdated term. Know what that where means. did you where did you pick that term that up, is, Gabe? That is that's an outdated yeah. term. I haven't heard yeah. anybody say how, that. How in does a, long a millennial time? come up with that term? I Bogey. didn't come up with it. There was a I whole bit on college humor uh, back in the two thousands. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so newcomer tip of the week. Get to the meeting a little early, maybe yeah. stay a invest, little late. Invest, invest, invest yeah. in the program. Yeah. 
We're going to move on to my favorite part of the show. The segment. Let's get into <laughs> our sketch of the week. This week's sketch is a fun one. If you are online on Zoom right now, please feel free to either throw a question in the chat or raise your hand. Looks like we've already got... Ooh, looks like we already have a question. Yeah, it's been so, cooking so, there so for a while. The, the, the sketch of the week is called No One Likes Asking for Help, <laughs> Questions for Our Guest. And I can already see a question from one of our participants, Joe C. Now, now the topic. Here's the, it here's is a the good thing. question. Here's I will the say thing. that. This guest knows How our... How inappropriate am I allowed to be? Well, let me just say this. This listener or watcher, Joe C., knows our guest personally because he's asking a question about his nickname. Yeah. And his nickname is, if you slide the question over a little bit more on our, on my screen, it says, can you shed any light on how Mike got the nickname Meatleg? Now, here's what I'll say. We cannot. I don't think we, we should talk about that too, too much. Yeah, don't be too inappropriate. So maybe give a basic, just a broad, even if you don't talk about it, just talk about the fact that you have this nickname and when you got it. Trying so hard to be appropriate. <laughs> I don't know how you could talk about this. You're just filling in the know. lines at this point. Have you ever woke? Have you ever had a girl ask you why do they call you Meat Leg? I, you're Meat Leg. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm here, trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think about should, a way to be we should inappropriate. Move to the this next is what I'll question. say. This is what I'm going to say right now. Here's what I'll say. That's what we should. Yeah, this is what I'll say. We've we've got a large group of people in our A community around here, and people with names like Mike and John, we get nicknames, and your name is Meatleg. I never we'll got just, a nickname, by the way, but thankfully. Well, that's just because we all call you your last name. Yeah. Uber, so, Uber. Which, which is fine. You can say just it. fine. So, great question, this Joe. Is an AA meeting. Anybody else? Does anybody else have any questions or any ra- hand raised? Do you want to come on and ask a question? We got we got somebody in the studio audience. Studio audience. Yes. Yeah, we've got Michael we actually have a studio audience. Michael, Michael is P. here tonight as a as Michael a studio P. guest. He's going to ask a question into the microphone. Let's hear it. Hey guys, sorry about that. It took me Mike, a second. Mike, what's up, up man? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for doing coming well. in today. Thanks for being here. Just waited through the crowd to get to the front here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> hey Mike, quick question. Hey, uh, what's the biggest difference between the VA AA meetings and the Maryland AA meetings? Ooh, is there or is there a difference? Biggest is interesting. That's a good question. That's a good Mike. question, Mike. All right, man. I mean, over the years or right now, currently, because I can tell you that over the years, I've gone to good meetings in both, and I've gone to bad meetings in both. Of course. Um, yeah. And but I is would, there a different energies or a different kind of? Because I've heard some things like, "Oh, the VA people are like this, or the Maryland people are like this." Have you had any of that? Experience I would with say that? no. I would say so. A lot of the meetings that I go to in Virginia have a lot of newcomers when it comes to like they get bust in um, from the rehabs around there, mm. or the meetings are close by to rehabs. That's stuff. good. So those are cool. I like those. Yeah. There's some younger people. There's some young people meetings that go a little wild, but again, they kind of just remind me of when I was new in the meetings yeah. that I went to. And, uh, and those can be pretty good. And there's some a lot of house meetings um, that really keep it um, in Virginia. OG, in Virginia, okay. yeah, and right. uh, and and they can be great. You know, I love house meetings. Now Maryland, I feel like has a tradition of just having like the solid, like very, large yeah. group, um, traditional, like very big book, big very, book, yeah. AA. Like yeah. this is like Johnny Harris coming out and telling you how to do things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so like it's just different. It's it's it. Both can be good. Both can be unbearable. It all depends on your your, your attitude okay. and where you're at that day. But uh, I would say I personally, the people that I know and respect the most are mostly in Maryland. And there are a lot in Virginia, don't get me wrong, but they're mostly in Maryland. And so majority of the meetings I go to are in Maryland. I like it. Just I because that's where they're at. Yeah. That's yeah. where the people are that, I, that I know. Okay. Yeah. But what there's lots of meetings. Lots there's of meetings. lots of meetings everywhere. They're all, some are good, there some are, are good bad. meetings all over the place, yeah. and there are terrible meetings all over the place. Yeah. Anybody else? We got a hand. We any hands up? Anybody want to ask a question to our guest? We got a written question. All right. All right. Let's run it. So, uh, Mike, you talked about um, the rat-infested farmhouse, fifty dollars a week. Um, have you run into any of the family members or any of the people that live there since Ooh, you've gone sober? It's a yes. good one. What, you have. Yes, that's a great I question. Had. 
Who came so, up with that? John puts on a camp out. Run pig, run camp we out. We put it out. We put well, it on to camp out. All right, I help Don't out. I help it, out. It's John. It's John. Run, John, John run. No, run, John, not. run camp out. <laughs> it's a lot of people. It's a great who do event. A lot. If you've never been, you absolutely it should. Is. It is but an amazing event. Funny thing is, it about what eight nine years ago, it moved to a new location. Yes, and the location just happens to be a mile and a half down the street. From the rat infested farmhouse Ooh, from the actual farmhouse so there's a sheets there that they built recently it wasn't there when i lived there before but now there's like a certainly sheets not yeah. gas station with a bar uh, burger king right there off the exit mm-hmm. and i went in there with like pretty boy diana i think laura at the time and like we're all just chilling we walk in there and i'm just like doing my thing looking for like you know energy drink stuff and all of a sudden i hear junior Oh, what's junior? Junior was what they called me. They called oh, me junior. That was your that was, my that was your that was old my drinking nickname. Was junior. Hey, junior. junior. Junior the meat leg. And did I turned and Free as soon leg. as I heard the voice, it just like sent a shudder because oh, I knew. Boy. And I turned around and there was this four hundred pound behemoth of a woman that was the mom. Wow. And she just had that big toothless smile, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh my god! I didn't remember her name yeah. or anything, but yeah. I walked up. I was like, "How you doing?" And she told me about all the how she's like a great great grandma. Oh my god! She's like my age, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like like just like all the craziness <laughs> that happened in the last like she's twenty great, years. Great great grandma, <laughs> she, forty. Did she, like, at 40 like, it did was, she try to pick you up? <laughs> oh, dude, she was hitting on me. Pretty boy saw the whole thing, like how she was just like leaning everything. Over I was the just counter. joking about that, but oh, dude, it was so bad. It was so bad, and it was awkward. But I'll tell you. It gave me a lot of gratitude to oh, see I bet. that where they were at, like nothing had really changed. If anything, it had gotten so much worse mm. for them. And here I was with great people doing something really good. Yeah. And my life was just a completely different situation. Um, it yeah. really, I mean, it was depressing, but at the same time, it was really enlightening and sad. Yeah. But like it was good. Well, you, we took you in, man. You were a wild animal. I'm still kind of a wild animal, but yes. A little bit. Yes. You're house trained at least. So Jack Elder used to tell people that I was raised by wolves and they were like, oh, that makes sense. They just believed him and didn't question it Mm -hmm. for years. Yeah. I didn't know that until it was brought up to me. That's that's a great question. I don't think wolves would have lived in that house, though. Not even for 50 bucks a week. Rats did. Big rats. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Let's try to get Let's try to get at least one more in here. It looks like we got another question from from somebody online. Who we got? We got Drew R asking. So you prefer same-sex meetings or mixed-sex meetings, and why? That's um, a great question. Too. That is a great question, and I'll tell you that over the years, um, I have kind of always kind of been a part of just like the mixed-sex. Maybe I like never both. actually liked men's meetings for many, many years, yeah. and I tell you that in the last four years, something changed where I actually started to be more attracted to men's meetings. Um, and I'd go to mostly men's meetings. I think the only mixed meeting I go to now is on Thursday nights, my home group haven. But every other meeting I go to during the week is a men's meeting. Yeah. I just, I just like it. I just There's like There's good the things about both. There's good things about both, yeah. and I don't knock either one. And like I said, 20 yeah. years of my sobriety were mixed, were, uh, were mixed men and women. But I now, where I'm at, I have just found that I enjoy the message and I enjoy the camaraderie of being around the dudes. I just do. It's like what I'm attracted to. And I think over the years, everybody can be attracted to whatever they're attracted to, whatever yeah. gets them here. And it changes, you know, you know I it mean, changes, it, yeah. and that's okay. You know, you stay sober and you're during an AA. I mean, you know, you might gravitate to, to different types of meetings. And, yep. you know, that's the great thing about AA. There's so much there's so many diversity options. here. I mean, there's really, you know. A lot of options. A lot of options. You can do, people do what works for them. Yep. When I read that from up here, I thought he was asking me about same-sex marriages. I was like, why are we talking about this? Oh. Well, it's like, thanks, Drew. <laughs> probably not a topic for the not to a no. podcast. But, no. Drew, thank you so much for your question. Thanks, and Drew. for everybody for yeah. tuning in tonight. And most of all, to our guest, Mike L., who was our first guest. And now he finally gets to Lucky uh, number 13. be on our recording. Mm, our 13. I like that number. It's a great number. It's a great number. Yeah. This is, uh, it's been a great show. We could on talk to you On the week of Friday the 13th? No. No, I don't think that so. Would be, that would be even That would cooler. be great. But thank you again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you. We are going to be back next week with another great guest, another great episode of The Meeting Mm -hmm. After The Meeting. Come back 8 p.m. Please join us. Next Wednesday. Listen to our other episodes, if you haven't, on Spotify, on Apple Music, 
wherever you can get your podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thank you.